This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. What does it mean for the Lord to be our portion? These are the first words that we read today in Psalm 119, verse 57, and it's a tangent worth following. For embedded in the understanding of this concept of the Lord being our portion is the very seed upon which the author plants his life and the life of the nation. It's a truth we'll consider today as we return again to Psalm 119. Verse 57 through 59 read, The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I have sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I thought about my ways and turned my steps back to your decree. Now the Hebrew word for portion has to do with a ration or a part of a whole. It is a subdivision of something greater. So what does it mean for the Lord to be our portion? Well, the reference here actually harkens back to a promise that God made to Abraham. You see, God called Abraham from the city of Ur and told him to leave his homeland and to go to a land that God would show him. This promise was to be his inheritance. God would make of him a great nation there. This promise made to Abraham was the very origin of the Hebrew nation, a promise that God had every intention to keep. However, that promise would be threatened repeatedly before God finally accomplished it. It involved enduring numerous accounts of family drama, relational tensions, a 400-year interim of enslavement, followed by glorious emancipation complete with the most incredible display of God's power through the Exodus. The nation's lack of faith delayed that promise's fulfillment in the years following that Exodus. And after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the people finally entered the land that God had promised their forefather Abraham. God was going to keep his promise to this people. When they entered the land, each family received a part of it, per their clan and tribe. This land that each family owned was their portion of God's promised inheritance. It was their God-given allotment in God's promise made to their forefather Abraham. The land was the centerpiece of their inheritance. It was the physical reminder that God was going to keep his promises and that every promise made by God to this people, he had every intention of keeping. This possession of the land would have taken on a renewed significance now as the people once again returned from slavery in a foreign land to repossess the land that God had given them, according to the promise made to Abraham. 
Now the records of these people, who possessed the land, and what tribe and lineage they were, were all critically important, as these people again regained their footing in the land of God's promise. This land was their portion. Now ironically, the priest, the lineage of Ezra, the probable author of Psalm 119, the priests were not given a share in that land, for God was to be their portion. Deuteronomy 18, 1 and 2 read, The Levitical priests, indeed the whole tribe of Levi, are to have no allotment in the inheritance with Israel. They shall live on the food offerings presented to the Lord, for that is their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their fellow Israelites. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. You see, God was to be their provider. They were not dependent upon the land for their sustenance. But more specifically, they depended, very literally, on God to feed them. Their focus was to be on fellowship with Yahweh. You see, God was their unique inheritance, their portion, if you will, and they were wholly dependent upon him for their survival. I think this is what the author has in mind when he says, the Lord is my portion. For God to be his portion means that he is wholly dependent upon the promises of God as his source of blessing. He is dependent upon God to sustain him. God was to be his supply. The Lord was his portion, his inheritance. He realized that ultimately his life was upheld by the promises of God. This faith is precisely why he is so focused on God's word. Because the word and the promises found there in the word of God are the source of his life. Just as God's promise was the foundation of Abraham's obedience, just as the land represented the physical faithfulness of God to his people, Ezra saw these promises as the moorings of his life. They were the foundational building blocks of his faith. The author had staked his life on the character of God to fulfill these promises. He held God to his word, and he would accomplish them in due season. The author anchored his life in these promises. He was holding God to his word, that he would bring them to fruition. He sees the word of God and the promises of God, his statutes and decrees, as his very life. He has committed himself wholly to living according to God's word. He's dependent on God fulfilling these promises. Therefore, this is his hope in times of trouble, his comfort in time of affliction, his correction in time of sin, his help in time of waiting, and his joy in times of triumph. It directs his entire life. When he faces trouble, his response is, God, I've kept your precepts. Now be faithful to me by delivering me from, from the hands of my enemies, just as you promised you would. When he languishes amid affliction, his response is, God, I'm trying to keep your commands. Defend me from the accusations that are hurled at me. When he faces correction, his answer is, God, you said in your word that these would be the consequences of my sin, and you're right to punish me. I praise you for your justice, even when it comes against me. Now, Lord, forgive me and help me to love your law enough to follow it. 
when he's in a season of waiting. It is the promises of God that sustain him. He says, my eyes grow faint from waiting. Keep your promises to me. When he finds victory, he says, your words are true. You are faithful to those who obeyed you. You kept your promise. You see, Ezra had staked his entire life and the people's future on God fulfilling these promises. For God to be his portion meant that he built his life and the nation on the faithfulness of God to complete what he promised. This understanding lies at the heart of their origins as a nation, all the way back in Abraham, and the land that God promised to them. The very land upon which they were now returning to rebuild. And so Ezra is rebuilding their hopes and their dreams on the firm foundation of God's faithfulness to his promises revealed in his word, just as it was in the very beginning. Their entire social order and penal structure hung on the faithfulness of God to fulfill his promises. That if they walked with him and if they obeyed him, God would bless them. This dependence is why God's word is such an integral part of their rebuild. It's also why it should be of such critical importance in our lives. Is God our portion? Or do we look elsewhere for our significance or our safety or our success? It is futile to build upon the shifting sands of our ability, our insight, and our resources. The Lord is to be our portion. He is the one who directs our life. Remember, he is, after all, our Lord. That is, he is the director of our story. He is the master builder that constructs our lives. And we must depend upon him and his fidelity to his promises. When the Lord is our portion, we are both entirely dependent upon what he accomplishes and fully satisfied with what he allows in our lives. If we doubt his goodness or his ability or his designs in our life, we need only to dig into God's word to find his will and his plans for us. This word is where we find the promises that he has made as part of our inheritance. This is why we read the word of God, to understand the promises that he has given us and to build our lives upon his character to fulfill them. This insight should bring clarity to our lives and hope to our lives. It should release us to believe that what God began in us, he will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.6. So let me encourage you today, dive deep into God's word. Anchor your soul in his character to keep the promises that he has made. As you read his word, look for the promises of God and highlight them, circle them. These are things that God said that he would do. And I can believe that God does what he says he will do. Let this be the source of your hope. In the words of Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trust in and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. For he is nourished like a tree planted by the waters, that spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear the heat when it comes, 
but its leaves will be green and moist, and it will not be anxious and concerned in the year of drought, nor will it stop bearing fruit. So keep bearing the fruit of confidence in the Lord to accomplish his promises in your life, for he is indeed your portion. God, help us to anchor our lives in your promises. Help us know your word enough to remember your promises, and may those promises sustain us amid the droughts of our life. May they be the springs that irrigate the fruit in us. For you, Lord, are our portion, and we hope in you. For your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.